Welcome to Malkia Talks, a Wheel of Time Theory podcast. Today is my first recording of 2021. Woohoo! It's not my first episode. Um, the Black Tower Boys joined me late last year, and that was released on New Year's Day. What a great way to start the year. We were talking about talents. Well, we were going to talk about what talents male channelers could possibly develop because I theorized that, hey, the one the other ones have become so stuck with women because there's been no male channelers. Perhaps the male ones will get new one. And we spent three quarters of the episode talking about, well, hey, what is actually a, an actual talent and what's just a really, really specific skill? Bit crazy, bit fun, um, as is the Black Tower. And uh, yeah, if you haven't checked that out, please do. That was so much fun. But yes, today is my first actual recording in 2021 and it's going to be a solo episode as well so as you know here on the podcast i quite often have a guest on because it is just me myself and i doing the recordings and i love having people here i quite often get people who have never been on a podcast before which i absolutely adore introducing them to the world of podcasting i love doing this and um i love introducing it to people but occasionally for whatever reason, perhaps I feel like doing an episode by myself. This is a theory I've been working on, or it's just a case of scheduling hasn't worked out, but I want to give you some glorious content. And so I break out one of my own ideas as opposed to a shared idea with someone that we've developed. And today is one of those episodes. So I hope you stick with me. It's kind of semi-inspired by someone and then developed by me. So earlier this week, I was trolling through Twitter by the way, if you're not following me on Twitter, please do at R because not only do I share things on Twitter, you can access my content, but I also do a daily or almost daily Tam joke. Think of it as a Wheel of Time dad joke um, on my Twitter account, and it's a lot of fun. People really enjoy that. And then every six months or so, I do a Tam joke competition giveaway joke book, which is hilarious, and I've got great plans for the next release in April. But to today's content, I was uh, trolling through Twitter. And I came across a tweet by Master of the Deck. Fabulous lady I know in the fandom writes glorious fanfic. If you're into some very particular fanfic that I think is great, but, uh, you know, just clear heads up, it's not for everybody. <laughs> Kayla says that herself, but it is great nonetheless. And she has great opinions on Wheel of Time shipping. If you've heard her appear um, a few months back on the podcast, you will know what I'm talking about. And Kayla and I are actually organizing to do a Valentine's Day special where we will be putting names in a hat from Wheel of Time, drawing them out in pairs and trying to make some kind of plausible or possible or just some sort of crack. Oh, my God, what would we have to do to make this relationship work? Live recording. So uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to live record in the Discord, in my Discord server, not the Discord server, in my Discord server. And uh, so if you're not a member, please feel free to join the Discord. There is a link in the description. And if you can't find it, please just send me a message and I will send you a link to join us. But yeah, that will be a live recording in the Discord server. So um, the idea behind that is a lot of people can listen and then they can just type into the text channel and be like, hey, this you could do this to link people together or that. And I think that would be a lot of fun. We had, oh, like 20 odd people. It was the day after SpoilerCon we recorded last time. We had easily 20 odd people maybe 25 in the chat when we were talking relationships and it was just so much fun so that's going to be our valentine's day special you heard it here first we're going to record in a month's time pretty much uh, i think it's like four weeks from the date of release 
and uh, we'll firm that date up and that will again be advertised on all my socials. Um, but yeah, she was talking about the water bond and she had very valid points. On the surface, the water bond looks like a great thing. You know, you get a, there's, a, there's a lot of, uh, you know, benefits going out of this situation. But when you start diving into it, gets a little creepy in places, I have to say. Not really that cool when you break it down. And so we had a little bit of a chat. A few people were commenting. I tweeted as well that actually when you dig into it, it's not the greatest thing in the world. And uh, she begged someone to do a podcast episode on it. And I had a little, I had some thoughts. And I was like, eh, can you just do a podcast episode saying that bonding is weird and creepy? Well, yes, of course you can, but that's not typically how I do my podcast. I try and throw in some kind of theory or even just a crazy discussion. And as I was thinking about the um, the bonding, it occurred to me, where did bonding come from? How did that become a thing? And so I started to get a little bit of a loony theory. Um, so it has two parts. Firstly, perhaps the Forsaken at the time um, before they were sealed away with the Dark One, kind of developed the the water bond for a couple of reasons. Now, potentially, did they develop the water bond as a way to steal really, really good uh, warriors for themselves and have them sort of compelled to fight for the Dark One? Did they develop the water bond perhaps and then somehow slip it in through the Black Aja, because I'm going to say there were Black Sisters back then, even though we didn't have Ajas, and be like, hey, this is really, really good. This helps you get, a, you know, someone, you know, who's a really good warrior, be absolutely dedicated to you. They get lots of benefits, lots of empowerment, and that will help you beat us. Obviously, you know, not actually selling it quite like that, you know, selling it from the angle of someone who's, quote, on the side of light, who obviously isn't. And they would do this, and as as we go through, and I'll talk about some of the the, the, the tweaks and that, but, but basically, you know, start just picking up warriors and stuff and being like, hey, we're just going to use you. And kind of just get a, like, you know, get the world turned against them. And also, I'm going to dig into a little bit, like, was this slightly a bit of inspiration for the Adam, the Adam, however you want to pronounce that, that Sean Chen uses? So I, I just had all these bouncing around. And I talked to Kayla and was like, look, I'd love to do an episode, but this is this is where I'm going. She's like, wow, that's actually quite a crackpot idea, but in a great way. And so here we are. This is what we're going to talk about. Before I dive too much into my reasonings and my logics, let's talk a little bit about the water bond in general. Water bond is typically a bond between two people. Um, you know, we have had cases where that's more, and I'll dive into those as I go through my list. Uh, but it's, you know, as most people think of the water bond, it is a female Aes Sedai and a male warder, mostly speaking. There are occasions where we've had two females, uh, as in the case of uh, Elaine and Birgit. And obviously we've got uh, other situations with the Ashaman. We've got um, double bonding going on and then multiple bonding. So, you know, it, it gets a bit, you know, out there. The Ashaman bond, that comes in kind of like two parts. So the Ashaman bond seems to be initially developed as a separate entity to 
the one used by the Aes Sedai, mostly so the, the guys can keep track of what's up with their wives. Um, just in the terms of, like, is she safe? Is she healthy? Seems to be stronger in that respect than the water bond, um, but doesn't seem to have any of the other sort of connotations that go with it, um, and doesn't seem to send the wives crazy if the guys die. And then we know that there's a compulsion bit that gets added in on that when uh, we get Aes Sedai being captured by Ashiman, and, uh, you know, even Loghain's using it, where um, basically it comes with compulsion built in. It's like, you will not try to escape, and then you don't have to think about it because, you know, they are now compulsed to never try and escape. Ooh, creepy. Very, very, very much not cool. And I'd like to think that the guys originally who developed it with their wives was very much a case of like, hey, I'm going around, I'm doing stuff that's dangerous, I don't know how often I'm going to see my wife, I want to make sure she's okay, I want to make sure that she knows I'm okay. And it was kind of developed as just kind of a bond between them as an extension of their marriage or their relationship, their connection on a, on a personal and intimate level has just, um, you know, been extended to use Sidene. Uh, so they both know the other is happy and healthy. I would like to think that it doesn't come with those negative connotations of like, hey, if I die, you're going to go nuts. Or I've now built in compulsion. I'm just going to control my wife like she's a puppet because not cool. And yeah, really not OK. Just putting that out there very clearly. But obviously then we do get compulsion built in, as I said, with the ones where we captured I die. And I don't know if that was developed specifically because they were capturing Aes Sedai and they wanted to be able to make sure that uh, there was safety, um, in a, you know, in a creepy way, but, in you know, safety, having them uh, be able to just walk around and not have to kept under active guard and shielded, for example, whether this is Taim being, um, you know, just an evil forsaken. I think it works either way, um, you know, in terms of why it would have happened. Still dodgy, still not cool. Um, but you can kind of understand where the the wrong reasoning, but where it came from. Um, but yeah, I think I would have preferred that they were just kept under active guard and shielded. But that's that's a story that Robert Jordan wrote, and you know, just kind of have to leave that there. Double bonding is also coming from the Ashaman and the I said I situation, and this is where, um, in the case of Andro and Pavara. She bonds Andro back after he bonds her. So he, they're bonded, and there is the compulsion element in there. Andro is not one to typically use it. He's like, don't try to escape. Don't attack other Ashiman. And pretty much, I think he leaves it there, if I remember correctly. Um, but they get into a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a argument, a disagreement. It's not even that stressful, really, but through... For a situation, she ends up using the water bond, the isolated water bond on him. And that's called double bonding, where they're both bonded, bonded in each direction. And that kind of develops into a case of where they can almost communicate mentally. They understand the other so well that it creates a mental connection and they can talk to each other, which I think is awesome. And if it didn't have the compulsion aspect from the, the male bonding, that sounds like a huge amount of benefits if you minus off the the cons from the, the water bond of the isolated. So both coming with... With, with negativity, a lot of bad things, but um, the idea of being, you know, having that double bond and being able to talk to each other subconsciously, that sounds like a very beneficial situation. Um, and I would hope that something could be developed there where that could be a thing. 
because that sounds extremely beneficial and extremely helpful, particularly in bad situations. But yeah, a lot of negative things going on in that situation also. And then lastly, there's multiple bonding, which we see with Rand and his three ladies, where they all bond Rand Althor, even Min, who can't actually channel Avienda and Elaine, sort something out there. Um, and obviously that then Elaine has to pick green because she's also bonded Bukit. So now I've given you kind of a brief overlay of the water bond and the other types of bonds that are out there. Let's talk about some of the benefits and the the, the cons, pros and cons. Don't know why I was going benefits and cons there. It doesn't work. Pros and cons of the water bond because there are both. Um, <laughs> which one weighs heavier? on your mind is up to you i know which one is worse in you know which one is is more poignant in my mind but we'll go through benefits firstly so the warder uh be that male or female they get a much heightened um sort of situation going on so their abilities are um you know much much heightened that was really bad english to apologize um so they can go without food and water and sleep much longer than a regular person can um they have increased strength durability they can withstand wounds that would you know cripple or you know just stop a, a regular person um, they'll be able to survive those they'll heal quicker things of that sort of nature and they also get the ability to sense shadow spawn that um i said i have or, or channelers have they can sense shadow spawn warders who are bonded using the Aes bond have this connection also which you see in evidence when moraine and lan burst out of the winespring in at the beginning of eye of the world and was just like trollocs trollocs and then suddenly trollocs appeared because they sensed them prior to arrival uh, and we know this happens in male channelers as well because rand will also talk about in the books you know oh, I, I feel queasy or something and it's not queasiness from uh, channeling sickness or anything like that it's queasiness because there are you know um shadow spawn around so you know some really really good benefits there for the water what does the ice die get out of it in terms of benefits well, obviously, you get protection. So you've got this person that's hopefully quite well trained, initially speaking, with these heightened abilities that is linked to you. Um, now, obviously, they're going to want to protect you. That is the kind of deal. Be like, hey, I'll give you these heightened abilities. You protect me. So you have a, you know, a very, very awesome bodyguard going on there. Um, there is some sort of discussion in the books. I feel that perhaps the warder provide some sort of uh, mental um, assistance there because they truly understand their Aes Sedai. They understand what's going on underneath the surface because Aes Sedai obviously put on a persona, I suppose you could say, and they can understand them properly, see what they're struggling with, what they're okay with, and be that person when no one else is around and be like, hey, I know how you're actually feeling about this and I'm here for you. So, you know, from a mental health aspect, there's got to be some benefits there. After that, benefits for Aes seems to be vague. We don't really know what else they get out of it. There is a small discussion that, uh, a small mention, sorry, not discussion, that the Aes can draw strength from their water. How much strength, whether this depletes the actual strength of the water to just take some of, I don't know, some of their energy. So if the water feels like, you know, slightly tired, you draw some strength. Oh, I feel quite tired now type thing, but I'll sleep or I'll rest and I'll feel better. Is it taking just a proportion of their actual strength and weakening them permanently? It's not dived into um, and, it, you know, it's, it's not expanded upon. I would just, my assumption there would be that they just 
take some of their energy in that moment um, and, and keep themselves going as a result. But it's not, as I say, it's not expanded on very much, so we can only presume and make assumptions there. But it, it sounds like there's some physical benefits for the Aesodai, short of having an awesome, badass bodyguard. Um, but again, I say, not, not dived into too much. Cons. Now, here we do get some cons going on, and there's less cons for the Aes Sedai than there are for the Warder. Now, firstly, uh, and they, it mostly all comes around, sorry, firstly, it's no firstly, it mostly just comes around when one of them dies. Now, if the Warder dies, let's go with that one. That probably happens a lot more. The Warder is out there actually fighting physically, uh, you know, swords, blades, arrows, hand-to-hand, all these things are there. That's the water, hands-on, protecting the Aes Sedai. So, sharp pointy objects, human body, never a good combination. So there's a lot more instances where the water dies, and that's before you even factor in that an Aes Sedai will live much longer than a water because there's no sort of age, you know, longevity mentioned with the bonds. I presume there would be some because they're stronger, more capable, the Aes Sedai can heal them, but they're not going to live you know, hundreds of years like an Aes Sedai. So the water dies far more often than an Aes Sedai. And the Aes Sedai, what do they get out of this? Well, they they grieve, you know, uh, they have some mental instability in terms of, you know, they find themselves crying at random moments, missing the person. They're pretty much, it doesn't seem like a huge step up from losing an extremely close loved one. Uh, be that biologically or, or just, you know, a person that you have very, very close in your life that you love, a, a partner, a dear friend, anything of that nature. It just feels like a more intense version of that from the way it's written. Um, you know, they, they grieve, they, they have uh, struggles with keeping their composure. And, um, you know, as you say, you find themselves crying at random times as, as a, an example of a, a physical outburst from that. However... This is where it starts to get extremely unfair for the Warder, because if the Aes Sedai dies, the Warder basically goes insane. And that's pretty... Like, like that's not cool. Um, what was the... <laughs> I was When I was reading up on this, there was uh, some wording that was uh, described for this, and... Um, yeah, it was just like, oh, geez, like, that's, that's such a great way to describe it. Basically... <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Um, basically, when the the Aes Sedai dies, the water goes, quote, insane with a sense of fatalistic vengeance. And what a great sentence there. The the water just goes absolutely like just full on. I've got a death wish. Where is the nearest battle piece of danger? Dark friend, shadow spawn, like throw myself in with zero, and I do mean like if you could have a minus amount of self regard, but like zero concern for self, um, you know, just staying alive. Uh, <laughs> I'm just thinking of the situation, and the words are just eluding me because I was like, imagine that moment there where you're like, I do, I actually don't care about my own life right now. I just want to attack and kill as much as possible. <laughs> this is just like what. How is that okay? <laughs> like, pretty much an Aes Sedai dies and the water dies with her almost. Like, it actually quoted, like, the Aes Sedai dies and the water does not uh, survive them by very long. 
They fall and they, they, you know, maybe falling immediately after trying to adventure, bleakly going to their death in the blight, um, just seeking out danger of some kind with that, as said, fatalistic vengeance approach. Imagine what that's doing to a warder's mental health there. Um, that is just their psyche is just destroyed. Um, and, and there is discussion in the books, you know, uh, particularly with Lan. Um, obviously, he doesn't quite go through that. We'll discuss the passing of a bond in a moment. But he is passed on to Morel because Morel uh, has a reputation or, you know, talents. <laughs> I don't think that's a talent based on my previous podcast episode. But, you know, she has, the, as it says in here, talent of helping water survive the death of their ice die. Um, you know, so obviously she deals with that. But it does is she fully successful or does she kind of just be like slows the death wish, blunts it, you know, gives them something else to focus on that's okay, but doesn't really sort them out long term? I mean, does she have like mentally damaged? Uh, that's a really sorry. Does she have like guys that have a, a really wounded psyche just hang, hanging around, you know, looking after her because, uh, you know, I mean, it's suggested that she just sleeps with all the waters to give them something else to live for. And we're like, yeah, see, this is not helping the guys whatsoever. Like, you know, they've been through a lot. I mean, there's some serious PTSD you've got to have going on from that situation there. Um, just losing, losing your eyes to die, let alone the mental link, uh, the mental destruction of the bond being broken. Um, so I, d I don't feel that that's a very good situation at all. That's very shitty going on there for, for a water. And when they're training, you got to hope that the trainers are, are saying like, hey, you're not going to outlive your ice to die, typically speaking. Like, you know, you you should be dying first. But if you don't, this is like the consequence of what happens. And it's like, huh? If you don't sacrifice your life to save your ice to die and you let her get killed, you're in for a shitstorm. And it's like, what is this? Like some messed up version of capital punishment? Like... You know, you can't have a life if you don't give up yours to... You didn't give up your life to save your Aes Sedai, so you can't have a life anyway because we're going to destroy your mind in the process. Like, fuck no, that's not okay. So, yeah, like, seriously not cool. And it just gets worse from there because the water bonds actually has, like, an obedience con sort of component to it. So, you know, and, it, and most waters are completely unaware of this when you look it up. But, you know, an Aes Sedai can, you know, can use compulsion on their border, in effect, in their water, in effect, through the bond. So they manipulate the bond with spirits and, and it will just get the water to, to do what they want. Um, apparently, it's not completely unnoticeable unless the, the sister is very, you know, deft with their weaves and it's not much they're going for. Um, it's also apparently only used very rarely and at great need. But it's not forbidden by Tower Law, despite their outlook on compulsion in general. And that's, that's, that's fucked up. Like, ah, so I've roped you into this situation where if you don't die for me and let me die, you don't, you ain't going to live anyway. Or if you do, it's not going to be living it with any sort of, you know, whole psyche or, or you know, without any form of trauma being imposed upon you. But you know, during that time prior, if you don't do what I tell you to do, I can just force you to do it anyway. Like, what? Eh, okay, not cool. So, 
<laughs> I've got my outlook on that out of the way. That was mostly where Master of Deck was coming from in that way. Like when you dive into it, the bond's like, ooh. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, really, really messed up. There's some amazing components. And that's kind of what people take away from it on the surface, generally speaking. And then you dive into it and you go, ah, not so good. So what can you do with the bonds? So you can release the bonds. And I don't know why this isn't done more often. Um, you know, waters can be released from their bonds. It's discussed in a few places. And you even see it on the occasion where um, Egwene releases uh, Igyanin from her bond right at the end type thing. Um, but you'd think it was going to happen more often. Um, Aes Sedai, you know, if it happens and it's very rare, it's basically like the Aes Sedai knows they're about to drop dead type thing. Um, so they might, you know, release their borders to spare them from that. Um, and, you know, they, they might be released because, you know what, hey, I, I don't want to be a border anymore. Like, we've become very different people. Um, Elias, uh, I can't say his last name, but Elias probably would have had that situation had he not been chased off from the tower when he became a wolf brother. And that's, uh, you know, that's a very different situation. Masking, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, but, yeah, we only see it with Egwene. We see it when Alana releases. Is it Alana releases Rand? Um, yes. And, you know, that that's kind of it. So, but you'd think they'd do that more often. You know, uh, it's like, doesn't happen a lot. Uh, and again, switching. Switching the bond from, from one sister to another. Uh, we see this between Lan and uh, Moraine. So Moraine knows she's going to die. Doesn't want to tip anybody off. Um, I can't think of why she would want to tip and say, hey, if you tip anybody off, it gets worse. Um, I suppose that's possible. But she sets up to have the bond between her and Lan switched to Morel without asking Lan's permission. Very intimate connection, this bond. Uh, you understand the other person. You, you know, there's that physicality connection. And it's like, hold up. You know, you swore to me. You, could, you said you protect me, work with me. But, you know, all right, I don't want you to die and I don't want to waste your life. So I'm just going to move you on to someone else. But you, you'd think there'd be that conversation. But no, that doesn't happen. And, uh, there, you know, it's even talk at the time of like, hey, and then when when the second Aes Sedai is ready, we'll move you on to someone else. Don't think. It was like a toy to be passed around. Not the original intention, but I'm sorry, that's what's happening. And it's kind of douchey. Um, but, you know, these things, you know, the, 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 the bond is not permanent um, and is not fixed. It can be like released or moved around. And... Um, the only time we see this is, is when it's like not asked for. And that brings me on to the point of how um, bonding used to be forced. So it becomes even worse at this stage. So originally, warders and men were not given the option whether they wanted to be, you know, bonded to Aes Sedai. Aes Sedai would be like, hey, you're a good swordsman. You're a good fighter. For whatever reason, I'm going to just take you as a warder. And that's really where the compulsion element comes in, because if you're just taking someone as a, as a warder and like un, they're unknowingly being just thrown into this connection, uh, they're not really going to do what you say or what you ask. So this is where the compulsion comes in. You'd be like, well, I'm just going to make you do it anyway type thing. I mean, that must have led to some shitty situations, surely. Like, ugh. Again, not cool. And this is still okay. Like, Tower are allowed this. Like, it, compulsion is not allowed, but yeah, you can compel your, your, your water. Like, double standards. What's going on there? So, when you've taken these few bits and pieces 
Um, and I'm sorry I've not talked about masking the bond, uh, basically, where you can just sort of wrap it and hide it. Um, but again, that doesn't really play too much on um, where this this uh, this series sort of goes on to. But when you dive into it and the components and the negative things around it, you're just like, how was this kind of invented? I mean, maybe with good intentions, but how did these side effects or these negative bits get realized and then someone didn't sit there and go, huh, that's not good. We should try and tweak this so that those those things don't happen. Like, this seems like someone... I would theorize that someone invented this and was like, well, we need to be able to... You know, we need some sort of, like, control and we need a, you know... There's a lot of forcing going on here. We need to force these these waters to do what we tell them. We need to force them to to put their lives first because, you know, we need to ensure our protection. We're better. And so this is where my theory comes in. That I feel that, you know, the Forsaken, who love to experiment on people and uh, love to, to just torture and maim and twist and create and be like, hey, like, can we compel an army, perhaps? You know, can this be a thing? Well, let's start with a man. Let's start with just one person. Compel them. Um, and it's just all these sort of evil things were just slipped in. You know, they were like, did they initially think we need an army? We can't find loads of dark friends. You know, this pre-Trollocs, obviously, Agonor, you know, didn't just appear and be like, ha ha, I'm a forsaken, and ha ha, look, in the, my first 30 seconds I have created all these Dark Shadows born. No, he, he, you know, tortured millions of people to create Trollocs and Fades and, and all these other really nasty, nasty creatures. Um, you know, he didn't make them all, you know, he's not God and make them in six days, if you want to follow that analogy. He didn't say that and be like, oh, I'm just going to do this type thing. He, he was someone who wanted to sit there and experiment and twist with things and, and, being forsaken gave him that opportunity and he spent what i presume are weeks and months potentially even years inventing this um and creating these creations uh so in the meantime shadows you know like forsaken they they needed they needed people to, to fight for them and i'm sure there were regular men and women out there that were like hey yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna get something out of this i'm gonna be a dark friend get dark fins in the in the in the time that the books are set you know this is that's not unsurprising but not enough to make up a full army so i reckon that you know one of the forsaken sat there and was like hmm let's make ourselves some badass warriors here because there's no limit on how many you can bond the green sisters are proof of that they bond two three four guys at a time with no problems whatsoever um so perhaps they were like hey with all these dreadlords going on, let's create some kind of bond where we can like just take a warrior, force them to our will. They will fight for us, um, and and create their armies that way. And that the, the theory that that theory would evolve in that eventually, obviously, we had the sealing of the Dark One with the Forsaken, um, and you know the, the the sealing of the Boar, and the the bond would have been. Not common knowledge by that stage, but there would have been people around who known it. You know, they, they would have been capturing dreadlords and questioning them, and let's be honest, probably torturing them for information about you know the activities and what was going on, and you know things like the the water bond may have potentially slipped out, or it was just, you know, they they saw it and was like, we need to do this too. I mean, both sides used bale fire until they realized like 
how much it was going to just screw up the pattern. So perhaps they were like, hey, they're bonding these people. I've watched them do this. Like, you know, spies, what, and I said I spies, watched them do this and been like, we should be doing this as well because we're going to get badass warriors out of it too. And so it then just stuck around with the Aes Sedai afterwards. And over thousands of years, it got the origin of it got sort of forgotten. Um, you know, perhaps this was invented by a dreadlord very close to the ceiling. It hadn't gone around a lot. Um, it, it, it's, it's very flexible there. Like that's that's where the theory kind of falls down a little bit because you'd like the Forsaken don't really understand the water bonds when they're out in the books. You're just like, well, if the Forsaken had invented it as some kind of way to control their armies, then you'd think they'd remember. And if they had invented it at the beginning, or if any, just a generic Dark Lord had invented it near the beginning, before we had Trollocs and Thades, you feel like it definitely would have been common knowledge by the time they got sealed in the boar, because you wouldn't have been inventing it last minute because you had Trollocs by then. So that one doesn't stick so well. And that's why I kind of went down the path of it was kind of sold to the Aes Sedai unknowingly. If you think about it, they like Mogadine and, um, you know, all the, the Forsaken, they're, they're sneaky bastards. You know, some of them in particular, plans behind plans behind plans. Some of them are very forthright and just be like, hey, I'm just going to take an army and obliterate you. Um, I want to fight you one on one. Um, I'm going to have my army versus your army and take over a city. Like very open about their battles, techniques and um, tactics. And some of them are very much hidden in the shadows, no pun intended. Um, and I can see them saying, hey, let's corrupt the channels of this age. You've already tainted the, uh, oh no, you haven't, sorry. Uh, that's at the, the ceiling. Um, but, you know, let's let's put some corruption out there. Let's get them using a tool that we can steal back at some point or makes them look fucking awful to the rest of the world and, like, just turn more people to our side, so to speak. Because no one, you know, it's, it's not like the, the, the ball was drilled and the dark one appeared and everyone was just like, ah, you're evil. It was just like this new power. And, you know, people, the, the shadow slowly just sort of appeared and started corrupting things. And it took a while for people to sort of twig on and be like, oh, shit, this this whole side of life that we didn't really know about that was steeled away. That's actually not OK. So, you know, if you sell secretly now, this let's say they, they had, you know, because there must have been Aes Sedai that were fighting on the side of the dark one, but were double agents and pretending to be on the side of light. And they were like, hey, like, look, I've developed this bond. We can have, you know, stronger connections with our fighters. It's going to give us, you know, it's going to make them better fighters. They can last longer, survive better wounds. It's going to give us some sort of energy that is, you know, designated protectors, you know, someone to, to help us survive these situations and to make sure they do what we want, you know, to make these, these fighters even better, to make sure they then fight on our side as well. You know, I've got these, you know, like if you don't fight for us and you let us die, then you're, you're screwed, <laughs> you know, and on a day to day basis, we can make you do what we want. You know, it's like there doesn't seem to be a lot of, you know, times were tough. There was a lot of stress going on, a lot of strain. You know, they're trying to defeat the dark one that they weren't prepared for. 
You've got Shadow Spawn starting to appear. You've got Forsaken, people turning over to the dark, uh, to the shadow that were highly respected and trusted. You know, and it's almost like a needs must type situation. Like, fuck it, we need to have armies. We need to have people that are, you know, prepared to, to fight and defend us. I think about it, Fade. You know, you just like, all right, you could well, one on one. I said I had a fade. Yeah, fine. You know, stick a bit of fire out there. You know, ball up in some some air, whatever. But you know, you got a few, you know, dozen trollocs on the go, a couple of fades, whatever type of thing. You you need a fighter with your type of thing. So they were kind of desperate for really skilled fighters. Um, and all right, you don't need many skilled fighters. You don't need to be like uber uber skilled to take on a trolloc. We all know that. Like you know, regular people can kill trollocs, but they're a lot fucking bigger. So when you're facing multiple numbers of them, you need to be really bloody good at what you're doing. And then if you start throwing fades into the mix, they can just be like, eh, I'm just going to kill a few people without even kind of looking type thing. <laughs> I'm throwing out the puns tonight. I <laughs> fade not really looking. I love that. And, um, you know, so then you want the baddest fighters and then you're going to make them even better, faster, stronger, longer lasting. It, it kind of makes sense that they would leap on this idea, this bodyguard system i suppose you might say like uber dedicated because you know you, you need some fucking fighters you need some some serious guys you know people that can take on these nasty creations that are being made by agador whilst you're fighting the dreadlords that are floating around because let's say you know you come across a dreadlord and it's got a fade and a dozen trollocs with it be like and you're an Aes Sedai or two like one of you's got to fight the you know the 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 dreadlord and really to give yourself better chances you want to be doing like even if it's a couple i said you want like two i said i going on on the dreadlord and suddenly you've got these trollocs and a fade floating around like you need some fires going on so i see this very much as a situation of like shit we we need this uh look they get all these benefits they're stronger they last longer we can make sure they fight for us we can make sure they do what they do, you know what we want there was no tower back then really speaking you know compulsion was not outlawed or banned so yeah i see this as kind of like some kind of long-term sneaky plan that the shadow put out there to make the ice die you know think was great think was needed and yes it you know in the short term it, it's a negative impact for the shadow because hold up we're giving the ice die that we're trying to defeat better weapons dedicated weapons you know like i have to protect the acid eye of my life and i'm a highly skilled fighter weapon but the world's gonna see these acid eye town and be like huh i'm coming through a town or a city or whatever and go to the i need i need myself a fighter i'm without a fighter right now and i'm going to go to the local barracks and take your best fighter and just bond them without you know permission I mean, it's described in the books that that is akin to rape. Like, not okay. Not okay. And you're just going to turn up and be like, right, so you're going to work for me now type thing. I'm going to force you into this bond. This bond where if you allow me to die, send you off the fucking cliff edge, mentally speaking, and you can probably die yourself because you have a death wish. Also, then, if you choose not to just, in general situations, do as I tell you, I'm going to compulse you to do it. I'm sorry. You may as well just be... Grendel, at that stage, you just turn up and be like, ah, you're a fighter, compulsion, can't think for yourself, can't be my willing slave type thing. You, you Grendel at the, at the last battle type thing. So I can see this being a plan that the Shadow has thrown out there. Now I hear you, I hear you thinking, well, hold up, Rob, as you've already pointed out, the Forsaken 
don't seem to know about the water bond. Well, ladies and gents, it's been a few thousand years. You know, it's been a long time. They've been stuck in the bore, you know, sealed away. Some of them have just been like ground down to like ugh, horrible, just fragments of people uh, by the wheel and being trapped in that bore type, you know, in, in the situation of Alphanau and, and um, Agenor. Like, seriously, oof, not fun situations. Um, you know, they might be forsaken, but that's that's some serious torture going through there. But even if you like the ones that are, you know, trapped deeper, um, where you're just asleep, it's been a few thousand years. Like, you're not going to remember everything. And let's be honest, they didn't work together in huge groups. Like, in the age of the books, they don't work together clearly. You're mostly getting four, five of them working together. I mean, the most you get at the end is when we've actually got neighbors, and it's like, you will all fucking work together. I've got two of you on a Kazothra or the necklace thing. I've totally pronounced wrong. Um, you know, like they are being <laughs> compelled themselves almost type of thing. So who's to say that they didn't forget that this was a thing or just, let's be honest, more likely didn't know. They were just the most, the most powerful 13 forsaken. Who's to say it wasn't number 14 that invented this? You know, and was slipping out there as like, yeah, this is my plan to be neighborless. I'm going to slip this out there, put that out there long term. The Aes Sedai are going to be hated by the average man. You know, perhaps there's even a weakness built in where someone else can swoop in and take over the compulsion and use them against the, you know, against use the water against the Aes Sedai. How do you know that's not built in there? This bond will also have changed and developed over those thousands of years into what we see in the books who's to say when it was first invented that it wasn't a case of you know pretty much what grendel does at the last battle of like hey you're just now my slave type thing with maybe some autonomy you know obviously a bit less than grendel seems to put in that seems like a very huge amount of control of over compulsion it's like you know her expert her go-to uh thing so i don't see someone the average i said i having that ability there but you know, a fairly decent of like, oh, you're bonded, you're now fully joined with me type thing. And I'm just, you know, you just pick this up and go with it type thing because the compulsion is heavy there. Maybe that was like faded out slightly over the, the thousands of years. So again, it might not be the original intent. This might have been something that was solely used between some dreadlords and their warriors, similar to a way that a fade uses Trollocs. I mean, th there's a huge link there. Let's, let's, my, my basis for bringing it in from the shadow, you know, th there's another line of, 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 um, you know, sort of argument you could use there. It's already present with the shadow. Okay. So, you know, fades can link with Trollocs. And what happens when you kill the fades? All the Trollocs that are linked with it die the Fade has a higher level of control over the Trollocs when they're linked together. So, you, you know, Trollocs, you'd be like, right, go cross that river. Trollocs are like, <laughs> fuck no. And it's like, okay, we link. And it's like, right, go cross the river. It's like, okay, so yes, I'll go cross that river. Thank you. It's it's like, they'll do it. That it, That's basically a compulsion there almost, isn't it? Which falls back into one of my previous episodes discussing Merdral, where the souls of those that can channel that was my argument there and this kind of falls in they can link with the trollocs and and so who's to say the shadow didn't be like well it's working here let's sneak it into the general population of Aes Sedai 
they'll get all these badass warriors and then suddenly like hey we can take them over perhaps um or just you can then be like look what they're doing you know like they're compulsing your men they're stealing them you know to just serve them. they're evil they're not you know this is wrong they're abducting they're compulsed you know they're basically just making slaves out of your best soldiers type thing and you know what a long-term plan to have out there what an amazing you know far forward thinking idea it doesn't have to be done by one of the original 13 it could have been number 14 number 15 number 16 it could be you know they were all battling out to be nameless eventually you know his plans beyond plans behind behind plans and saying well Let's corrupt the Aes Sedai. Let's turn the world against them. And when everyone's like, no, what is a bad? Uh, the Aes Sedai suddenly can't have them or have to release everybody or whatever. Or you can take over all the waters because you've built in a floor. Um, then suddenly that makes you look pretty fucking awesome to the Dark One, doesn't it? They're like, oh, wow, look at that. On a very, very small, subtle way over a hundred years, you have just, you know, changed the way Aes Sedai recruit their soldiers. Boom. You know, we've turned the world against them, or boom, I've stolen all those soldiers and turned them against their Aes Sedai, both possibly. Um, you know, what a huge play to be Nablus. Because if you're a Dreadlord at, you know, the level of a, of a Forsaken, as it says, it was only the 13 most powerful Forsaken, implying there were more Forsaken, um, then you have immortality already, pretty much. And. So you've got hundreds of years to play out a plan. You know, you're not planning like, oh, I've got a week to, to achieve this. Be like, I can spend a decade doing this. I can spend 50 years doing this. I can spend 100 years waiting for this to come to fruition whilst I carry on all my regular shorter term plans. And when it pulls off, you know, you're going to be neighborless. That's a pretty awesome plan. And of course, I feel like it's then been the basis of an idea that was formulated and, and and came to be the the idem that uh, Arthur Hawken was was such a fan of um, because hey you know we need to this is a a, a female channeler bonding a uh, a non channeler but as evidenced with Rand when a channeler bonds another channeler the the compulsion aspect disappears you need to be you know, the control aspect sort of disappears. Um, now we don't know exactly if that's strength because it was a female channel and a male channeler. Um, you know, those, I, those concepts weren't fully um, explored in the books, but the idea is basically, you know, you're unable to control, um, your, your wonder because of water because they can channel. So they've realized this perhaps through testing or just an understanding of, of the bond as it's evolving and they've gone, well, you want to be able to control Aes Sedai, so... You know, we need to come up with something slightly different, but I'm going to use that as a basis. And then this is where collars and, and bracelets and things like that sort of come in. So again, more evidence of it not really being that good of a thing overall. More of it being like, hey, this is all about control, subjugation of another person or group of people, depending on how many you're going to use it on. Um, and... As much as I said I mess shit up, as much as they get things wrong, as much as you have idiots and just stupid people becoming these these people in power, you know, the the bulk of them using it, it's not you know not going to be like oh well, 
this is an evil thing, but we're going to use it anyway, because they're not on the whole evil people. So it's got to have been something that was kind of, you know, missold PPI insurance. Um, <laughs> you know, it's got to have been something that was sold to them. To be like, this is great. This is what you need. Use it out of desperation. We'll evolve it. We'll tweak it. You know, but is inherently an evil idea, a bad thing, a bad idea, a bad situation, a bad link. And where better for that to have come from than a, a dark friend, a shadow um, you know, a, 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 a Chandler of the Shadow or Forsaken, Dreadlord, whatever term you want to use, like what better for it to have been than something caused by them as a long-term plan? And that's uh, just kind of sold it for me. And I will forever see the bond in the, the original form that we get introduced to. I, you know, you would hope it would change and evolve. But for what I see in the books, I can now only see that as my personal headcanon, obviously you're not required to have that as your own headcanon, that has the whole point of headcanon, that the bond is an evil thing set up by the shadow to control or turn the Aes Sedai um, or, or turn the world against them. And uh, yeah, I would love to hear your feedback on this idea. Send me ways you think this could work. Send me ways you think, hold up, Rob, this really doesn't work. Um, send me things that you would need to tweak. Send me comparisons. I want to hear what you think about this idea. Um, if you think the bond's a wonderful thing, if you think these are all necessary things, like I'm, 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 I'm open to all these discussions. Um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say like you have to think the same way as me. That is not the purpose of this. This is just like this is how I feel about the water bond. These are my ideas about where it might come from, or 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 how it developed, and. You know, I would love to have a discussion with you that's constructive and, um, you know, just developed into a great conversation and a great discussion because I love talking about the Wheel of Time. I wouldn't make this podcast otherwise. But yeah, so yeah, hit me up. You can tweet, tweet this at me um, and tell me, hey, Rob, love the episode. Think this, think that. You can send me, uh, that's at, Mal at Malkiri R on Twitter. You can send me an email if you want to do it publicly, talks at gmail.com. You can send me a voice message if you're on the Anchor app. Alternatively, you could join the Discord server, link in the show notes, and there's plenty of uh, sections in there where you could you know, talk about the content and give me your ideas because I would love to hear that feedback. Uh, if you like what I do, and uh, you enjoy Wheel of Time stuff, you might also enjoy my YouTube channel. So yes, I do a YouTube channel as well as Tam Jokes on Twitter. I do I do lots of different bits and pieces. I'm a bit of a glutton for punishment when it comes to Wheel of Time. And on my wheel, on my YouTube channel, I tend to make uh, a few, I do a few different things. So occasionally I do some live bits and pieces. Uh, I might do reaction videos and stuff like that. But predominantly I do two things on my YouTube channel now. I do narrations from the book. Uh, that is a work in progress. Sometimes they're very, very simple. Sometimes I do fun collaborations, as I did recently with the Leafcast and um, one of their good musician friends. I do apologize. The name eludes me right now, but it is on the YouTube video that we did the death of the Green Man Shemeshta. Oh, what a scene. Um, loved how that turned out. And also I, on the channel, make Wheel of Time food. So I'm currently working on a few things such as Plum Punch, um, a hot fish stew that Vannon makes. Uh, I'm going to make a tribute to almond bunt uh, and make an almond bunt cake. 
uh, because, you know, why not? A bit of fun. I've done some of the bits and pieces. I've made, like, uh, Matt's uh, <laughs> sort of trick pies that will turn your mouth blue, sweet buns. Um, I've done, obviously, I've done honey... Um, honey cakes and uh you know i've done other bits and pieces in there as well go check that out if you enjoy that um but yeah please follow me on on, on the, the twitter the social medias please uh like subscribe whatever is appropriate for your podcasting app please follow me on youtube and um you know so you can check check out my work subscribe there i would really appreciate that um and if you really really enjoy my content and you want to get even more involved and support what i do you can join my patreon family uh, I've got some wonderful patrons and, uh, you know, they're, they're really good fun to talk to. And I hope I've got some great benefits up there for you. You can have my content early, uh, particularly on the podcasting stuff. You can get merchandise because I have a range of merchandise going on. Again, links in the show notes. You can get like frosted mugs. Um, and I've got a clothing range that I'm working on, a cooking range that I'm working on. Um, again, just check out the show notes. The links are all there. But yeah, join the Patreon family. There's some benefits in there. We like I say you can get merchandise. You can have one-on-one contact with me, um, and and you know depending on on what level you want to join in, all support is welcome, uh, whether that be financial or otherwise. If it's just a hey, I've subscribed to your YouTube channel, I follow you on Twitter, because I hope that people enjoy the content I'm making, and uh, you know those those are the the ways we we measure those things. Um, but yeah. Please do check out all my stuff. Check out the previous podcasts that I've done. And uh, I hope you stick around to listen to what I've got coming up because I have some excellent, excellent shows coming up. I've got some more first-time appearances on the podcast, which I'm thrilled about. I can't wait to give you some of these. I've got um, some some uh, of my long-running shows. So, for example, we are redrafting the Wheel of Time without Gwen. We're about to start book two, my good friend Alex from A Hero's Journey. I have my Valentine special coming up with Master of the Deck where we do relationships and shipping. And I have a fabulous, fabulous episode coming up um, at the end of the month where myself, Vance and Zool, who previously sat down and chatted about pronunciations and, and things like that in the Wheel of Time, we are going to sit down with the fabulous fabulous kate and michael of uh, the audiobook worlds just glorious people glorious glorious people we love them so much they have agreed to sit down with the three of us and talk a bit of wheel of time pronunciations um but more specifically their work doing audiobooks their charity work and just you know the experience of creating a world from the written word into an audiobook because that is a fabulous process. I can't wait for that episode. We are recording in like a couple of weeks' time uh, from date of recording this, and I hope to have that out at the end of the month. And I, I cannot wait to share that with you all. Uh, but that's kind of all from me today. I hope you've enjoyed listening to my rambling. Let me know what you think about the origins of the water bond and whether you agree, disagree half sold not sold whatever it might be but uh yeah hit me up let me know what you think because i would really love to hear your thoughts and until next time my wonderful wonderful listeners may you always find water and shade Yay!